Well, let's look at Psalm 67. Father, we thank you for this morning, and we just continue in our worship of you, because that's why we're here. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the freedoms we still enjoy, that we can still carry a Bible openly, that we can still pray, that we can still sing and and gather together openly. Uh, we see the window is closing. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity we have this morning. And we just pray for wisdom and discernment. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to calm us even right now. There's a lot of things going on in this room mentally. This past week, this past month, what's going to happen later today or this week. Father, just help us to right now focus on these few minutes in eternity as we open up your love letter that we might learn, that we might hear and not just do another Bible study, but that we would actually hear from heaven what you'd have for us to hear via your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 67, verse 1. To the chief musician on stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. What do you think about that? Well, Numbers chapter 6. If you'd like to turn there real quick, I'm just going to read it. we got a lot of verses this morning, so I'm going to move pretty fast. Numbers chapter 6, 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them. So here we have a priestly blessing. Those who represent God. The Lord bless you and keep you. And Pastor Chuck oftentimes would end his services with these very verses, but he would sing them. He, the guys would start out, the Lord bless thee. He had a really deep voice. And the women would echo it, and keep thee, and keep thee. You know, it was just really cool. It was really, really cool. If you have an opportunity to listen to it, go online, you can listen to it. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then Moses says, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Actually, God's saying through Moses, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. So the psalmist says, God, be merciful to us and bless us. Maybe he was thinking about this very, very blessing and cause his face to shine upon us. You know, the face of God. You know, Moses pleaded with God so that he might gaze upon his face, yet it was not granted for Moses to do so. The Old Testament. Then you look to the New Testament. The disciples desired to see the Heavenly Father, but Jesus shared with them that only the Son has seen the Father, and no one can see the face of God and live. But that doesn't mean the desire shouldn't be there and that is what this psalmist is longing for as we read it. Again, we can, as you read your Bible, we can just blow through verses, but I encourage you to slow down and think, wow, the face of God. And who do you think we're going to see it's, to be asked from the body to be present with the Lord? We're going to step in front of the throne of God. Yes, Jesus is there at the right hand, but we're going to see the face of, I believe personally, that's going to be the first person we're going to see. The face of God. Verses two through four. 
that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people righteously. And I just said, as my mind, it's interesting how the mind works. You can read, you could talk, and then your mind's clicking away on what I just said. I mentioned that God is a person. God was not a person. So just uh, in case you guys heard that and went, Mormonism? Uh, no, no, God was not a person. It's going to be the first face we're going to see, God Almighty. Verse 2, you know, the psalmist desired the Gentiles' nations to see the works of God. And the most important work was and still is salvation. Notice that, that your way may be known on earth to all the nations, not just to a select group of people, not just to the Calvary Chapelites, no, to the whole world, your salvation among the nations. You see, when salvation takes place, the next verse happens naturally in verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. And again, I don't think there's any greater joy than to hear that someone received Jesus as their Savior. See, as a whole, we praise God for His grace and mercy upon the life of a sinner because we were all there. How about heaven? You know, Jesus speaking in Luke 15.10. Luke 15.10 says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. Over one sinner who repents. And I personally think the name is announced in heaven. The name is announced in heaven. And the angels are going, yes! Yes! Another soul is snatched from hell. Verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously. And one day upon this earth, Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem for 1,000 years. And all the nations of the earth will come to worship him there. And at that point, there will be joy and peace upon the whole face of the earth. And what a blessing that is going to be. Verses 5 through 7. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. Notice that. My own and again, as I shared with you in the very beginning, I'd never done that before in a service of 15 years. So if you're here and you receive Jesus as your Savior, you are his child. You become a son. You become a daughter. But oftentimes in the religion I was raised at, it was looking up to the altar and going, oh, the priest knows God. And the priest intercedes for me through for his God. And it was somebody else's God. And as you're raised in a religion, it can often be somebody else's God. Well, my parents are religious. I don't want to be religious. I'm a teenager. I just want to have fun. I don't want to be religious. You know, we're not here to be religious if you're visiting. We're here because most of us have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we want to deepen that relationship because he is our God. You can actually know God, have him in your heart. So... God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall reverence him or fear him. The word fear there is reverence him. You see, having a heart of praise or what we would call thankfulness is crucial to the life of every believer no matter where they live. And those around us are watching. This is so key. As you read your Bible and you go, well, you know, it's archaic, it's not applicable, it doesn't mean anything, it's not relevant. Hello, wake up, smell the coffee. People around you are going to hell. 
and they're looking for an answer and you happen to be a Christian, so that means you're the answer that they need. So as you read your Bible, you want to realize, wait a minute, that's me. Do I have a heart of thankfulness? Do people in my workplace know that I have a heart of thankfulness? Or am I just another one of the group who whines and complains about our politicians, about our supervisors, about our customers, about this, about that, and we're not different. So they just look at us and go, well, yeah, it's great you go to church on Sunday. You could be doing something a lot better than that. I mean, you're no different than us. Or do they actually see that we have a thankful heart? Because they're watching. And if we express, and when we do express gratitude, especially during those tough times, it gives them an opportunity to see God doing something in the life of a believer. And what a privilege to be able to praise God, even in the midst of, and even in the hardest of circumstances. First Thessalonians 5.16, we just put these verses up there for the sake of time. Rejoice evermore. I encourage you to write these verse, you know, this reference down. Pray without ceasing. Because oftentimes people will come in and they'll want to know about the will of God. Well, here I can guarantee you this is one of the wills of God. Because it goes on to say in verse 18, in everything give thanks. And we like to read that in some things give thanks. No, in everything give thanks, for this is, what? The will of God. The will of God. Now, obviously, you know, we have to emotionally work through certain issues, and, oh, God, just thank you for this broken arm, you know. It's hard to do it at that moment, but here is a really cool testimony, right, Con? We had a gal who uh, fell, uh, what, a week ago? Ten days ago? Two weeks ago? She fell. Broke her ribs, or damaged her ribs, I should say broke, damaged her ribs. Got up, she felt everything was fine, went about their business. They flew to Colorado. When they got to Colorado, her legs started to swell. She couldn't walk. She had to be in a wheelchair. They, the, she thought, well, you know, it's just this, that, or the other thing. Didn't think anything of it. The next day, they, the pain is getting worse and worse and worse. They called the doctor, her doctor back home. The doctor says, get to a hospital. Get to a hospital. You got a problem. So they figured, well, we'll drive home so we can get to our hospital. <laughs> so on the way home, pain got worse, worse, worse. They had to stop in New Mexico, just by chance. Stop in New Mexico, go into ICU. They do their thing. She had two blood clots in each lung. It wasn't her time to go home. Otherwise, she would have been dead. But as she's in ICU, a gal comes in from a motorcycle accident, just by chance. Connie shares with her. The gal, the gal received Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> you know, that's called a God incidence, not a coincidence. That's called a God incidence. So can we give thanks in all things? Yes, we can. And, and yes, we have to emotionally work through all the trauma. But very soon... Not a week or a month or two years later, very quickly, we need to get to that point of, God, thank you for this. I don't know what you're going to do, but thank you for this, because you've got a plan. You've got a plan. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Psalm 68, Psalm 68. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, a song. Now again, if you're newer visiting, uh, we're going through the psalms all 150 of them, and they literally are songs. 
So if you like your old songs and only the songs you're familiar with, get over it and read the book of songs because God is inspiring men to write new songs. Matter of fact, there's 150 of them and none of them are probably your favorite. But you need to learn them and appreciate the new songs that God brings about even though we may like our old songs. Hey God, you're inspiring people to write new songs. Help me to understand the theology and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, this psalm may have been written when David was given the kingdom and made king over all of Israel. If you've been reading your Bible, you'll know that David was made king but only under the the southern tribes for seven years And then after seven years, the northern tribes then joined and allowed David to be their king. So now they have a united kingdom and they anointed David afresh, anew as their king. The Philistines heard about this and didn't appreciate it. Remember, David over the years had some pretty intimate contact with the Philistines. So they gathered their troops together and were going to come and fight against this newly gathered nation of Israel. And I think, Jim, you might have a slide, Second Samuel. You can write this down. We're not going to turn there, but you can write that down to get the backstory again for the sake of time. So if you want to write that down, you can get the backstory, possibly, possibly, to Psalm 68. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, a song. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. You know, after two consecutive overwhelming victories, you can see why David would have written this. As the smoke is driven away, God drove the Philistines to defeat, if this is that circumstance. Verse 4, sing to God, sing praises to his name. Again, God deserves all of our praise. You know, it doesn't matter to me what this week held for you. When we come together to sing, we come together to sing. And you have to learn to sing and to command your soul to sing. And as you do that, you're going to get to that place where, you know what, it didn't matter what this week held because I'm here now, I'm with the family, I'm rejoicing, I'm giving God the praise he so deserves. The praise he so deserves. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah or Yahweh, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. You see, David points out the fact that God takes care of those who are alone, those who are by themselves due to this life's circumstances. You know, death comes upon all, and here we have the fatherless and the widows in these verses. And you see, God knows of their existence when at times we can question, we can question whether God really does know or even cares. And he does. And David says he brings them into the bigger family. So for us today, well, how is that? You see, for us today, that would be the church body. You see, the church body is made up of different types of families. We have young, we have old, we have single, we have married. 
Families with children, families without children. We have widows, widowers. We all make up the body of Christ, and that is exciting to me. That is exciting to me. Matter of fact, I've said this often, but but you are our family. And yes, I have five siblings, but you are our family in so many ways. And as members of the body, we each have a unique gift that can bless the rest of the body. And I think this is one of the things that most Christians don't even realize, and if they do realize it, they forget it. You have a gift, and my question is, are you using it? And the next question is, if you're not using it, why not? Why are you not using it? Every person has a spiritual gift, and we are to be using it to edify the body of Christ. But the enemy would like to separate us from the body, trying to get us to think that we're of no value. We're of no value. You know, we're too young, we're too old, we're this, we're that. We're Basically, we're of no value, and that's a lie from the pit of hell. You see, just as each member of our physical body is vital, each member of the body of Christ is vital. And here's some verses you can look up, and I just referenced one verse, but in 1 Corinthians 12, 20 through 27, again, you want, might want to write these down and look these up. Now you are the body of Christ, speaking of the church, and members individually. Notice that. So we have a body, we have a church, but we have individual members, and that is so important. That is so important. You see, David goes on to talk about the various families that came out of Egypt and how God provided for them over the years. In verse 7, O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, and notice the Selah there. What do you think about that? You see, the first thing to notice here is that God went before his people. And this is a common phrase I've used before. We may not know what the future holds. But we can know for certain who holds the future. And that is so vital in my life, in our lives as a, as a marital couple, in our lives as a, as a family, whether our kids realize it or not. We know that as we pray over our kids who are in rebellion or away from the Lord or whatever it might be. We know that. And so we're going to continue to believe that. You see, the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the triunity of the Godhead, goes before us each and every day. The Holy Spirit does. And nothing surprises him. Nothing confuses him, nothing worries him, and surely nothing causes anxiety for him. He is at peace, and when we seek him, God grants to us that same peace. Yet we can allow ourselves to get consumed with the trials of this life and forget that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Let's look at Numbers chapter 9. Is there anything good in the book of Numbers? Numbers chapter 9, as I encourage you every week, read from Genesis to Revelation. Numbers, why would we go to Numbers? (laughs) Numbers is incredible. It is full of so many wonderful things. So it was always, the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. At the command of the Lord, 
the children of Israel would journey, and at the command of the Lord, notice that, all caps, God, the Father, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped, and according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. And you guys, you want, you want to remember, there was up to three million people in this camp. Now, I've been in a crowd, as many of you have heard before, I've been in a crowd of 250,000 people before I knew Christ at a concert. And the stage, the people on the stage were about a quarter inch tall. 250,000 people. It was scary. So you've got to imagine three million people. You have to be able to see what's going on because the tabernacle is low to the ground. It wasn't elevated. So there was the cloud that we're reading about right now. The presence of God was with them. And the cloud would go up and everybody would go, Okay, it's time to pack up the tents. We're moving. Let's follow that cloud. They'd stay a day. Well, let's just read on. Verse 21. So it was when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey, whether by day or by night. They had a fantastic night light. It was God illuminating. Whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey. Whether it was two days or a month or a year that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. At the command of the Lord, they remained encamped. And at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Now, as you're reading this, you might be thinking, well, man... If I had that, I would never doubt God. If I had that, I would never complain. If I had that, life would be perfect. Well, read the Bible and you understand that these people whined and complained, griped. Why don't we go back to Egypt where everything was wonderful? Why do we have to be here? Wine, snivel, complain. When they have God's presence right in front of them, day or night, they can just look to the tabernacle. God's presence. Now, who do we have that literally dwells within us according to the scriptures? You might not understand this or believe this, but the scriptures teach it. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And if we're praying and reading the word and seeking counsel, we can know that we're in the will of God. If we're not in sin, we can know we're in the will of God. So the good times, the bad times, we don't need to sit around and whine. We can say, God, you're leading me. God, you're leading me. I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable with this. But God, you're leading me. I'm going to trust you. You see, that's that's the bottom line. I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing. That's what these three million people had to do. They had to develop that life of trust. So when they finally got to the Jordan River the second time, and they said, okay, we're going over to conquer, it was in all of their minds. Hey, God could take care of us for 40 years. What's the big deal? We're going over. And we are going to conquer and take the land. It was just programmed into their mind. 
as you look back into Psalm 68, verses 8 through 10, oh, the earth shook, the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You, O God, sent a plentiful rain, whereby you confirmed your inheritance when it was weary. When the people were weary, God provided. God provided. He always will. He said it was about your goodness, your goodness. And that's why we like to say that God is good. You see, he extends his good to all of his children. Again, not just a few, not just certain ones, but to all of them. And again, being raised in religion, this was for unique for me to understand. It was unique for me to grasp, because that's not what I was raised under. It's not what I was raised under. Verses 11 through 17, the Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those who proclaimed it. Kings of armies flee, they flee, and she who remains at home divides the spoil. Though you lie down among the sheepfolds, you will be like the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow in Zalman. The mountain of God is the mount of Bashan, the mountain of many peaks is the mountain of Bashan. Why do you fume with envy, you mountains of many peaks? This is the mountain which God desires to dwell in. Yes, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place or the tabernacle. I personally believe that that the psalmist here, David, is speaking of Mount Zion, that place where Jesus will rule and reign, as I mentioned earlier. And chariots were an obvious sign of wealth as well as power. Now notice this. David just says God's chariots are 20,000. Uh, that's God doesn't have chariots. He's just using this because he goes on to say even thousands of thousands. In other words, innumerable wealth and innumerable power. That's what he is emphasizing here. He has overwhelming mighty power. You see, even as an earthly king would be feared because of this number, people ought to fear God who is far more powerful than the host of chariots and horses. That's the point that David is making. If you knew that somebody was coming after you with 20,000 chariots, you would immediately surrender. You would immediately surrender. Party's over. That's what David is, is pointing out here. If you think you have it all together and you haven't received Jesus as your Savior yet, God's coming after you. And he's coming after you in love. And he wants a relationship with you because he loves you. Accept that love. Because if you die without that love, if you die without Jesus as your Savior, then God's coming after you in wrath. And you will stand and God will be justified. And he will pour out his wrath upon you. So don't play games with God. Don't think you're stronger than God because you're not. He holds your, he holds your breath in his very hands. Take advantage of today and receive him as your Savior. Verse 18 you have ascended on high. You know, this is part of a, a messianic psalm here. And the Holy Spirit inspired David to write or to prophesy about the coming Messiah, whom we now know to be Jesus. And, and as we read these verses, it's going to sound familiar because Paul made re- reference to these very verses when speaking of Jesus and his resurrection. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Again, read your whole Bible, because as Jesus died, he descended into Abraham's bosom. He did not descend into hell to fight with the devil. 
If you watch Christian fiction, you will actually hear some pastors say that that took place. It's unscriptural. It's undoctrinal. It's from the pit of hell itself. No, Jesus went and preached the good news. I'm the one that you are waiting for. I'm the one that you are hoping for. I am the Messiah. And there was rejoicing in Abraham's bosom. As Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise. He didn't say today you're going to be with me in hell. No, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And when Jesus rose from the grave, because prior to Jesus rising, because Jesus is preeminent in everything, no one had risen from the grave and gone to heaven. So Jesus is the first fruits of those who died and rose again. And when Jesus left Abraham's bosom, he took everyone that was there. Hey, Noah, come on. Adam, Eve, come on. We're out of here. Let's go, everybody. Come on, we're going to heaven. We're going to my father. Read the scriptures. Because in one of the gospels, there's a sense that says, after the resurrection, that even some of the saints of old were seen in Jerusalem. So for whatever reason, God said, you know, Jesus might have said, you know what, why don't you go check out Jerusalem for a while? I'll meet you. I don't know, but it's in the gospel. So we believe in the resurrection. That is what is so crucial for you and me. You have ascended on high. Then he sent, after that, he sent his Holy Spirit to give gifts to the living saints for the building up of the church. For the building up of the church. Notice there, you have led captivity captive, you have received gifts from among men. When the gifts that we have, even right now, have been given to us via the Holy Spirit. They're not ours. You can't generate the gift. And when we get to heaven, all those rewards that we sent before God, I have no idea because the Bible really doesn't tell us what we're going to do with those rewards. But this I know what we're going to do. We're not going to brag. We're not going to walk around heaven saying, hey, look at all my treasure. Personally, I think we're just going to lay it at the hands of, at the feet of God and say, God, apart from you, I couldn't have done that anyways. You're just an amazing God. You, you, you take me a sinner, you save me, then you give me a gift, and you, through the Holy Spirit, use that gift, and then you say to me when I show up in heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, but I, I really didn't do it. I mean, I did, but, and again, this is, sometimes I hear pastors say this, that God doesn't need you. I don't like that. God does need you. And he wants to use you. But we have to, I think what they're trying to say is keep that proper perspective so that we stay humble. God can use anyone. Yes, God can use anyone, but he wants to use you. So humbly serve him and allow that gift that you have to be used by him because he does need you. He needs you in your workplace. Why do you think you're there? Just to make money? No, you're there so that people can see a living epistle. So David was a poet as well as a prophet here in verse 18. Verses 19 and 20. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Selah, what do you think about that? Think about your life. Do do we have things to complain about? Yes. Should we? Probably not. Because if you look at our lives, we are daily loaded with benefits. Our God is a God of salvation. And that's the greatest benefit that we could ever have. On my worst day, I, I personally, the glass is always half full. Always half full. On my worst day, praise God I got a glass. And praise God it's half full. And on my worst day, I get to die and go to heaven. Man, what a bummer. Phoenix, 110, heaven. 
110, heaven. Man, I should really be bummed, right? I'm going to heaven on my worst day. Praise God, take me home. Our God is a God of salvation, and to God the Lord belongs, escapes from death. Kill me once, that's it. You can only kill me once. I'm going to heaven. You see, blessed here means to kneel or to adore. Blessed be the Lord. And I want to ask you, have you thanked God today for what he's given you? And you might think, well, I had a miserable day. I had a miserable week. I had a miserable month. I had a miserable year. What do I have to be thankful for? And again, I would, I would suggest that you go and visit someone in the hospital. You know, when I go to the hospitals and I get in the elevator, somebody's there. I go, how you doing? I'm doing good. And then typically they'll say, how are you doing? I go, well, I'm doing great. I get to go home. And they got to think about it for a few seconds. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah. I go, yeah, I get to leave this place. I'm standing upright, breathing on my own, and I'm going to heaven. doesn't get any better than that. And they're starting to push the button really fast. i got to get out of here. i got to get out <laughs> I'm going to heaven. <laughs> visit somebody in a hospital or visit somebody in a nursing home or visit somebody in prison. That's, that's unique. I encourage you to do that. When those doors slam behind you, you're kind of like, oh, boy, I hope they don't forget about me. I don't like this feeling. I, I didn't. I loved getting out of that place. Maybe read about someone who is oppressed for their faith in a foreign country. Don't be afraid. Read about it. There are so many things to be thankful for, and we all know that that list could go on and on. How about the fact that he shares his divine attributes with us via the Holy Spirit? You'll find that in Second Peter chapter 1, 2, and 4. Again, eternal salvation is our most important blessing. Verses 21 through 23. But God will wound the head of the enemies, the hairy scalpel, the one who still goes on in his trespasses. Hairy scalpel, that must be a young person. The Lord says, I will bring back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea that your foot may crush them in blood and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from their enemies. Uh, That's pretty descriptive of judgment day. Very, very descriptive. But David was inspired via the Holy Spirit. So we'll just leave it at that. They have seen your possession, your procession, O God, the procession of my king, my God, my king, into the sanctuary. So the tabernacle. The singers went before, the players on instruments followed after. Among them were the maidens playing trembles. Bless God in the congregations, the Lord from the fountain of Israel. There is little Benjamin, their leader, the princes of Judah and their company, the princes of Zebulun and the princes of Naphtali. Now, again, as you read your Bible, this makes a pretty good reference, I think, to the ark going into Jerusalem when King David had that huge celebration and worshipped the Lord in an abundance of offerings. Just incredible. The various tribes were there to represent their portion of Israel, and it was a day of tremendous joy. Your God has commanded your strength. Strengthen, O God, what you have done for us because of your temple at Jerusalem. Kings will bring presents to you. Rebuke the beast of the reeds, the herd of bulls with the calves of the peoples, till everyone submits himself with pieces of silver. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Envoys will come out of Egypt. Ethiopia will quickly stretch out her hands to God. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises to the Lord. Again, notice that, you kingdoms of the earth or the Gentile nations. Because of God's victory, David makes the case that kings and various people of prominence will come to worship the Lord at Jerusalem. They will lift up their hands and their voices to proclaim God's goodness upon the nation of Israel, unlike what we're seeing today. 
to him who rides on the heaven of heavens, which were of old. Indeed, he sends out his voice, a mighty voice, ascribe strength to God. His excellence is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. O God, you are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. You see, David here says it's not about the buildings because God created the heavens. It is he who gives strength to those who are upon the earth. And Jesus said in the Gospel of John, apart from me, apart from my Holy Spirit, you can do nothing of eternal value. And so unless we continually abide in the will of God, there will be no fruit, again, of any eternal value. So, what we could say today is, the God of our salvation is the one who gives us strength and power. Never leave that. The God of our salvation is the one who gives us strength and power. And it's another great reason to give him thanks. And we're going to throw back up 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. I would encourage you for homework this week to memorize these verses, to meditate on these verses, and to implement these verses, if you haven't, into your life. Rejoice evermore. When your feet hit the ground, thank you, God, that I can stand on my own. Thank you, God, that I have a bathroom, that I have a toothbrush, that I have food, this, that, and the other thing. Just rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Now, obviously, stay focused on your work. So again, you've got to keep this, you know, don't go to any extreme with any, any of the word of God. Keep it in balance. Stay focused on your work. Be the best employer on the job site. But when you have that downtime, when you're driving or other times where your mind is just going crazy and you're thinking about really bizarre things, that's probably a really good opportunity to say no and start lifting up people. You know, we're going on a missionary trip the next three days. Pray for us, for safety, to go up to Winslow, for the vehicles, flat tires, all of those things. There's so many things to pray for. So that's what this verse is saying. Obviously, you don't neglect your work. But when you got that downtime and you're thinking about really stupid stuff or vain things or bizarre things, bring it back into focus by praying to God. And then lastly, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. So you've learned something this morning. I know most of you already knew this, but if you didn't, instead of asking, well, what's the will of God? Here's one of them. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you and praise you that you give us your word. And I thank you for these songs, these psalms. And they're just filled with so much doctrine. They're filled with so much truth. The hard times of life, the Philistines coming against us, but yet you delivering us. Father, we just thank you and praise you that you're always with us via the Holy Spirit. That every believer in this room, and even possibly a new brother and sister in Christ in this room, has the Holy Spirit dwelling within us right now. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So Father, help us to walk in that truth this morning and this week. And that as we go to our workplaces, as we go to school, if we're homeschooled, whatever the case may be, that, that those people that cross our paths, they will see a difference. They will see someone who loves God because God first loved them. That they will see a person who rejoices and gives thanks. 
even in the hard times. Because according to your word, you work all things together for the good. Lord, help us to truly understand your word and to trust in it and implement it into our lives. Father, we just thank you for this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand? God bless you guys. You know, we have some openings for more ushers and greeters. And so if you're interested, please complete and submit a ministry application if you have never completed one before. And if you already have a completed application and have been cleared, we'd love for you to join that. You can see Steve Fulton or email us at the office. And so, guys, have a blessed week. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, I'd love to know that. We're not going to ask you to do anything weird. Don't worry. Don't freak out. I'd just like to rejoice with you. Uh, If you would like to receive Jesus now, you didn't before, come on up. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. And I will build my life upon your home. It is a foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken.